3: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. If you want to make friends, I'm just trying to help you make a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to explain, give you some context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. The seven have spoken, and now we're done. Yet now that we've heard from NVIDIA, every one of the magnificent seven have reported, and it's time to greet them. Now, I know, I have plenty of earnings to go around. The averages can't be obscured even by the big ones. Dow advancing 48 points, this would be inching up 0.13%. NASDAQ, of course, dipping 0.32%. But we have to slice to the trillion-dollar chase and decide which companies deserve the valuations and which, if any, might be pretenders. Let's start with NVIDIA, which delivered yet another monster quarter. (laughs) Amazing beat, raised quarter, powered by insane demand for high-powered artificial intelligence chips. Even better, they gave you a great forecast for the current quarter. Talking about $24 billion in revenue, Wall Street was looking for around 22. Visionary CEO Jensen Wong says that accelerated computing and generative AI have hit the tipping point with demand surging worldwide. All the long knives were out for these guys in the end, and lots of people were worried that supply would outstrip demand, destroy their gross margins. It was just the opposite. As I told you last night, you need to think of Jensen Wong as Taylor Swift of business, a long-term visionary with terrific current and future products, a true powerhouse in name and in deed. I say, own it, don't trade it. Overall, I think the Magnificent Seven truly did acquit themselves well. Some of these mega-cap companies aced the report cards, getting what I can only describe as sumas, at least in their orals, meaning the conference call. Let's start with the most definitive suma of all. Yes, the trillionaire that is Amazon. Here's a company that had been spending too much money to build out two-day shipping to the point where it was considered something of a slowdown story. Oh, not this quarter. Go to the head of the class, Amazon. They end up laying off a ton of a high high cost talent at headquarters while figuring out how to get your packages faster and cheaper to you. Fewer people plus quicker, less expensive delivery equals a gross margin bonanza. <laughs> Meanwhile, Amazon's advertising business is on fire, and its web services back in double digit growth mode. Oh, by the way, thank you, Jeff Bezos, for ending your fifty million share sell program, and you're welcome, Dow Jones, for booting Walgreens and welcoming Amazon. Great call. <laughs> How about Meta? Oh, this will be the quarter that Summa Mark Zuckerberg became cool. I know. Kind of inconceivable. But have you tried the sold-out smart ray bands where you can listen, talk, message, and snap pictures that go right into your Instagram? Have you been in the new Quest 3 VR headset, which to me is kind of like Jack Kirby's Fourth World? Yes, that Cool! Meanwhile, the court business is incredible, and I'm slapping a $100 billion valuation on WhatsApp, even without fees. As we rue the denouement of linear TV, we realize that advertising is forever going to where it must go, to the people who actually want the product. And you can only do that online with the right technology. One word, inference. Instagram is the king of inference. Hence the gigantic NVIDIA bill Zuckerberg must pay to get the job done. Summa, how about Magna, my illustrious college grade. All right, that belongs to Microsoft, which would have scored sumo if we hadn't recently heard a cacophony of mixed views about Copilot. Man, I get it anyway. Hey, look, after an initial five star breakout ranking, I'm not sure what to make of the suboptimal responses of late to Copilot. Given that I think it's incredibly easy to use, but maybe I'm kind of an outlier. Either way, Microsoft's cloud business, Azure, is so hot. Just, I mean, like, smoking hot. You don't need to worry about this one. Just like Windows became the enterprise godsend to Apple's early dominance with the consumer, I am betting Copilot will eventually become the AI gold standard. We know this because CFO Amy Hood, who is so good, put a stake in the ground and told us that people love the product. If there's a tussle about how well it's being received, I'm going with Hood. She's a straight shooter. And she's got the numbers. The Gripers don't. Who else? Well, Apple didn't get the highest honors. No, but it did deserve the post-earnings regrading in stock as the company managed to do the iPhone sales while continuing to rack up excellent service revenues. China remains the issue, though. And we've seen a pickup in some things selling in China, but I don't get too excited there. What people didn't understand what they miss, what they'll continue to miss, is Apple's Vision Pro. I know. Okay, let's put them out there. It's expensive. It's boutique. It doesn't move the needle. There are only a couple hundred thousand of them. Only Apple early adopters will buy it. The headset hurts. How do you work it anyway? which I say, have you tried one? Yeah, I figured. Open your mind to what masters of the air would look like in the B-17, getting hit by flak, measurements blown by as you try to work the Northern bomb site, Real life. That's the Vision Pro. Your pictures in panorama, your keyboard in the air, your knowledge that besides Max, Apple Plus, and Hulu, the other ste- streaming services are going to fold because they'll end up being too much demand. And who knows if you can one day call up the new Apple Sports app free and press buttons for a big Miami MLS game and be blown away. The cynicism about this product is only equal by the sales and hard to find availability. Although we heard from the great Eamon Javers about how they have it in Russia and they're paying a lot more than that. I thought that store was that was innate demand. All right. So. Will it be the biggest thing? No, but it's in the right direction. Still, Apple's only an honorable mention. Why? Because China's just not so hot, and Apple's India business is still in its infancy. Can't grow up fast enough. retail infrastructure just not there. And the PRC weakness is a little breathtaking. Still, I say own it, don't trade it. But in terms of the Magnificent Seven, it was in the middle of the pack this earnings season. Alphabet's a true quandary. Two quarters ago, Google Cloud hit some sort of wall, and the whole company's numbers were just widely panned. It was a wholesale nightmare. This time, Google Cloud got its mojo back. But the far more important advertising business was a retail nightmare.
4: The house of pain. Yeah, talk about hitting a
3: wall. This was just awful. It was nasty. Because advertising was very strong for Amazon and Meta. Hey, maybe Google isn't as useful as it used to be. It was a riddle wrapped into a mystery of an enigma. The soft quarter gives Alphabet a rude general studies grade. Given all the high-powered Stanford-types work out there, it's a rude awakening, And I'd like to get more positive, but that'd be hard to do when YouTube and Search are both advertising-based. Nothing's big enough to make up for that, even if Gemini's a hit. I actually found it depressing. Last but not least, earning a gentleman's seat, yeah, Tesla, which, by the way, is nowhere near the trillion-dollar mark anymore, to the point where it's now weighs in below. <laughs> weighs in, you like that? Couldn't resist. Ways in. Did it again in case you missed it. Eli Lilly. Oh, the indignance. Anyway, oddly, I want to hold back judgment for Tesla, or actually I want to hold back the student. With a new model coming out, I just hope we don't get a dreaded gap year from Tesla. This quarter simply didn't merit distinction, so I'm not giving it out freely, even to Elon Musk, who rivals Jensen Wong as the brightest of this generation's titanic business people, but is never confused with Taylor Swift. I don't like basing anything on a single quarter, even as the late Andy Grove, the toughest and meanest business person I ever met, said that when he ran Intel, it was perfectly legit to grade the company by the quarter. Here's the bottom line. To me, a longer term vision is what's required. Too bad make or break is all that we ever heard during earnings season. Some of those breaks are buying opportunities and nobody's ever made, at least not among the real winners. The good guys are always ready to play, and one day just does not matter that much. John in Florida, John.
5: Thank you for taking my call, Jim. Of course, I've John. got a What's two-part on? question on zoitis. Okay. In Wall Street parlance, where do you put it? Is it a pharma company or something else? They also missed their last uh, uh, quarter earnings pretty substantially. What are your thoughts going forward?
3: Yeah, you know that was a miss, and it did bum me out because I think that Kristen Peck and Zoetis are great. It is a healthcare company for animals, both uh, livestock, but of course just companion animals, and it's a great company. I, I think it was a, I think it was one off. I think it's a good stock to own. Let's go to Bob in New York. Bob.
5: Yes, Jim. Bob. This is Bob from New York, and I, first of all, I want to thank you for taking my call. Um, I want to know what you think about the stock. Micron technology. Okay, well, this is...
3: Now, MU, All right, this is, you know, I like to play with an open hand. I think Sanjay Marotra is one of the greats in the business. The stock bottomed when he said it would bottom, which is before the turn in the actual business. I was actually more bullish than Sanjay. I I told Sanjay, you got to get more bullish, man. You know how your stock acts. I told him I knew it better than he did. That was pure hubris and wrong. But anyway, I was right, and the stock is still going higher. Yes, I say when it comes to Apple and when it comes to Nvidia, just in case you didn't know. Oh, and it don't trade it. To me, a longer term vision is what's required in this market, even though that is very hard to find. Too bad this make or break stuff is what we hear because there are no breaks and there are no makes. There's just great, consistent business people. Oh man money tonight. Home Depot, or the Despot, as I like to call it, reported earnings yesterday. You know, it's a very important company. we got to spend more time on it. I'm breaking down the numbers and realizing that it's not make or break. Then we have a make or break real estate investment trust coming on about the dividends. And then we're going to sit down with the make or break balance and loan. And you know what? I need a break from the make or break. Because what really matters is finding great companies and owning them. Stay with Kramer.
4: Miss a second of mad money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: Fact running a business is not getting easier on your wallet.
1: visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: at Bausch & Go. I've been watching this eye care company ever since they brought in one of our favorite healthcare executives, Brent Saunders, as the new chairman and CEO did it last March. At first, the stock jumped from around 16 to low 20s. Happy that Brent was in there. But then we got some spotty results some the supply chain problems. Worries about an overstretched balance sheet. That sent this thing down to 13 bucks. a changed at the lows earlier this month. Today, though, Bausch & caught fire, jumping 14% after the company reported a clean top and bottom line beat clean. And terrific results across all three of its divisions vision care, pharmaceuticals, and surgical. Even better, management gave you a better than expected four year sales forecast. So, as the turnaround arrived, let's take a closer look with Brent Saunders, chairman and CEO of Ballast Alone, to find out more about the quarter where his company's headed. Mr. Saunders, welcome
5: back to Man Money. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Well,
3: good to see you, Brent. I'm glad there's nothing wrong with your eyes. Obviously, you had some sort of surgery there, but we're going to say that's not the focus of the interview. The focus is This seems to be the year not of investment, but the year of innovation and, yes, indeed, earnings growth. It's a big change, isn't it?
5: It is. And and yes, I had shoulder surgery just a few days ago, but super excited about uh, our future and and the hard work we did in the last year that I've been here and the, the optimism I have for the future of our company.
3: One of the things that I love about you is you are a definitive operator, not just, people may think that you do a lot of acquisitions, and we talk about that, but your operations, <laughs> you had to take over what I think were some, what you call an adopted pet business, basically, uh, that you <laughs> got from Novartis, that I think it may turn out to be one of the biggest i franchises in the world.
5: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, and, and you know, look, when I arrived at Bashalom almost exactly a year ago, uh, we just didn't have the capabilities process we had too much bureaucracy and so we have really spent the last year rebuilding our management, bringing in great new people, promoting existing great people and really focusing on on becoming competitive once again and uh, you know most of that heavy lifting is behind us, not all of it but but you're right one of the, the products we brought in Zydra, from Novartis just a few months ago came in with, with some damage and, our team, really, in the fourth quarter, which is the first full quarter we had it, did an outstanding job getting it back to stabilizing and prime for growth in 2024.
3: There are doctors who tell me that this is literally a huge part of their practices, writing scripts. Tell us what it is for, how important dry eye is, because I think a lot of people aren't familiar with exactly how prevalent this is and how much work, uh, how much work needs to be done to keep it so that people's eyes are not dry.
5: Yeah, you're exactly right. About 40 million Americans suffer from dry eye. And it's, it's uh, the epidemiology here has two components. There's inflammatory part of dry eye and there's an evaporative part of dry eye. A lot of the prevalence is driven by environmental factors as well as biological factors. So think of screen time and how much time we're spending on screens right. or pollution and, and all those types of things. We actually have two drugs, and that's why we did the acquisition of Zydra. We have a new drug we're launching from MIBO, and that is the only drug approved for evaporative dry eye. And then we have Zydra, which is the market leader now, for inflammatory dry eye. And so we have this one-two punch. We're the only company in the, in, in the category that can go out and talk about the complete disease spectrum with our customers. And, and really, I think we are primed to... We are the leader today, but we have only established the beachhead. We have so much more we can do to drive further growth and leadership for several 10-plus years ahead. So really long runway here.
3: That's fabulous. Now, I think all the analysts are enamored, as am I, of these new products. And you've got quite a list of growth in all key franchises. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I want to go back to something that is very basic. I think you're taking share in the stuff that I use every single morning in my Bouch and Loan solutions because the numbers are too great for me to think that you're actually losing share or it's just kind of just done it all on price. This looks to me it's being done on revenues.
5: You're, you're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. You know, in 21 and 22, we took more price than volume. And, you know, when I came in and, and a year ago, We focused on really on executing at our customer level. And what was so rewarding about our performance in 23 was the quality of the beat. It is mainly volume, even in solutions, a category that that many people don't focus on. Uh, Contact lenses, uh, surgical equipment, everything was about volume and driving uh, 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 more customers to use our products.
3: Now, how about, uh, tell me about Infuse. I'm going to give you three of them. Vizolta, and, I, and our, our, our viewers know about Lumify, but uh, those are just showing some levels of growth that I think demonstrate that you're a young company, a young 170-year-old company.
5: <laughs> that, that's exactly right. I, mean, I actually put the Lumify in before this interview, so I'd look good for you. But um, <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> Infuse is our, our daily sci high. Um, we're launching it around the world, and we're launching... Uh, different modalities. So we have the, uh, the, the, the standard lens, we're launching the multifocal, we have a toric, we have a toric multifocal coming. And actually in the, in the quarter and for the year was our fastest growing product around the world, um, growing 45 plus percent. So really strong growth. When you look at contact lenses for us the market's probably growing seven eight percent and if you adjust some things out we were growing um and some self-inflicted wounds out around distribution we grew about nine percent so definitely taking share the bulk of that is coming from our daily sci high infused great lines i actually wear it as well i'm a customer um and it, it is truly terrific my biggest issue is it's so comfortable I fall asleep in it and I forget to take it out. You which and is me not both. I did it on an airplane the other <laughs> yeah. day,
3: and I said, "Alsh, what happened?" Because I forgot that I had them in. I got to tell you, Brent, this is like—I don't want to say it's the old Brent because you're the same guy. But when I saw you in January at the J.P. Morgan conference, I wasn't even concerned that perhaps you'd have to spend more money than I'd like. I think that you were reaping the uh, gains of what you did in 2023. This could be a good year for you, couldn't it?
5: It is. I mean, we put out guidance. Look, we, we grew twelve percent on a constant currency basis in twenty three. Um, our industry, as a as a whole, grows five six percent. So double industry growth, and we just guided for twelve to fourteen percent growth in twenty four. So we're going to do multiple years of more than doubling industry growth. That's. That's the beginning of a, a real momentum and, and a real sign of a turnaround. Right?
3: And that's what we're all used to for seeing from Brent Saunders. Congratulations on a great quarter. I think it's beginning now, Brent. And I hope your shoulder gets better fast. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That's Brent Saunders, the chairman and CEO of Bausch & Loam. That's Bausch plus Loam. Thank you for coming on, Brent. And we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, my name's Pat the break.
4: Coming up, Home Depot slipped after earnings. What, is it too early to take a hammer to the stock? Kramer does some remodeling next.
1: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
3: What do we make of those numbers yesterday from Home Depot? Here's a stock that's been a nice run of Almost a tear. Rallying more than 30% from its lows in late October. Most of those gains coming after the company delivered a merely okay quarter back in November. Since then, home despot's been gaining ground as Wall Street bets that interest rates will keep heading lower. Lower mortgage rates are good news for the home improvement space, although the yield on the 10-year Treasury has been rebounding over the past six weeks. But we had mortgage rates of 7% this morning. So did the despot live up to the hype when it reported yesterday? Well, hard to say. Initially, the stock got hit for 4% in pre-market trading, before opening down less than 2% when the regular trading started, and only finishing up this... Up 22 cents, crazy trading. All right, not great, but certainly not bad either, especially on a not-so-hot day for the averages. Even though the quarter wasn't decisive, there's always a lot to learn from Home Depot, which is why I want to walk you through the aisles to get it right. First, Home Depot delivered better than feared BTF headline numbers. Same-store sales were down 3.5%. Sounds bad, right? But slightly higher than the 3.6% decline the analysts were looking for. Net sales were down 2.9%. Again, not good, but Wall Street was looking for a larger decline. Home Depot also saw its earnings shrink by 15% year-over-year, even as the earnings per share number was 5 cents higher than expected. Yet that is better than feared. BTF. It was altogether a, a meh quarter, capping off a meh here, or as CEO Ted Decker put it, 2023 was a year of moderation for Home Depot. Now that, we've turned to the calendar of 2024. What really matters is the guidance. So how did that look? Again, it was just okay. Home Depot is talking about 1% revenue growth for the full year, slightly below what the analysts wanted to see. And they said to expect same-store sales to decline by 1%, also a little worse than expected. But on the other hand, they're forecasting a substantially higher gross margin, although not even to generate a better-than-expected full year earnings outlook, which was disappointing to me. that's called a minor shortfall, though. Put it all together, and you can understand why Home Depot stock initially did sell off as the bots reacted to the earnings release. Once actual humans got involved, though, they saw the guidance for what it was, an appropriately conservative outlook from an appropriately conservative company, which wants to be optimistic, but doesn't want to turn around and make a cold shot. That's, that's too dangerous. It's not the way they do things at Home Depot. While the Despot didn't tell you the turns right around the corner, it did do something I think it's more important than anything. It raised its dividend by 7.7%. That now translated to 2.5% yield. And that's the classic sign of confidence that we look for on made money. Still, if you want to know what's really going on here, you need to dig into Home Depot's all-important conference call. One of the first things that stood out to me was Decker's candid comments about the company's inventory position. Decker said that Home Depot, quote, enter 2023 with more inventory than it would have preferred, end quote, but then said they'd worked throughout the year to improve inventory productivity while delivering the highest in-stock and on-shelf availability rates since the pandemic. Yes. And now the company says, quote, feels very good about our inventory position heading into 2024, end quote. that is terrific. It's terrific because excess inventory is every retailer's nightmare. You need to heavily discount that stuff to get it off the shelves where you can bring in new product that might sell better, including, by the way, garden equipment. Now that Home Depot's got its inventory under control, it should have a much better time going forward. And that is why the stock is here and not here. Okay, that's the difference. Decker also explained that the company invested $1 billion in improved wages for frontline employees last year with the goal of improving customer service. At the same time, the despot has been looking to cut fixed costs out of the business. Previously, they talked about $500 million in annual fixed cost reductions, which the company thinks they can delivered this year. That's amazing. Management went into great detail about what they're doing to improve the chain's bread and butter pro business, where they, su- they supply contractors and other professional builders. That includes the acquisition of construction resources last December. Home Depot also said it will be rolling out new offerings for what they call the complex pro, meaning contractors with more specialized needs. While the company's sales were largely in line with expectations, keep in mind they took a hit from core commodity inflation. Not to mention the harsh winter weather during parts of January. Interestingly, management said, and I quote, during the fourth quarter, Pro and DIY do-it-yourself customers' performance was relatively in line with one another, end quote. Now, that's, that's, that, this is important. The big story on the do-it-yourself side right now is softness in certain big-ticket discretionary-type purchases, with management noting, quote, customers continue to take on smaller projects while still deferring larger projects. End quote. I thought that was going to kill the stock, but it didn't. It didn't. That's a very positive sign. It's, but it's, it's about what you usually expect, given that we've got elevated interest rates, because larger projects often require a home equity loan. But there was some optimism that this could change, too. And during the Q&A, an analyst asked if there were any signs of life. Oh, man, Ted Decker hit that one out of the park. He said, quote, there's loads of life in the sector, end quote, and added that the consumers are healthy and engaged, albeit in smaller projects. At the same time, Home Depot's still navigating a tricky inflationary environment. For example, deflation in lumber and copper wire negatively impacted their average ticket price by 35 basis points last quarter. That's a lot for a big chain. But management also said that framing and panel lumber, two important categories, quote, experienced the most stable pricing level during the quarter in some time, end quote. I'm calling that positive. Now, uh, overnight, most of the analysts published their reactions to the quarter, and, you know, frankly, they were a mixed bag. HSBC actually downgraded Home Depot from hold to reduce, meaning sell, citing poor sales momentum and muted fundamentals for the home improvement market. That person better hope that this stock goes back here, or otherwise, they're never going to be able to get on a bandwagon. But most reactions to the quarter were much more positive, analysts betting on a turn, especially as the year goes on. Maybe that's why the stock's only a couple of points from its high. And 90 points from its low. So where do I come down? Look, there's been a lot of noise in the interest rate front lately, with Wall Street waking up to the fact that maybe we won't get many rate cuts this year, if we even get any at all. Which seemed like a possibility to dawn on people when we got the January Fed minutes this afternoon. But after this adjustment period, I still think that rates will ultimately head lower. And that's a positive for anything housing related, including Home in the meantime, Home Depot's got a nice catalyst coming in the form of the spring planting season, which is like Christmas for any retailer with a gardening business. Besides, I'm betting management deliberately gave a conservative forecast. They like to underpromise, over at Home Depot, which makes the stock's valuation feel more justifiable with just over 23 times this year's earnings estimates. Again, why it is so close to the high for the year. I wish it were a little cheaper, but I wish, I wish, I wish. What does that mean? Here's the bottom line. Sure, the quarter wasn't great, but the conference quote commentary I found encouraging which is why I am willing to be patient and hold on to Home Depot. Remember, you can't wait for the actual turn. You have to get in ahead of time or you'll miss the move. Madison's commentary on the inventory position tells me that this is the right time to stick with the despot and if it comes in to do some quality buying. We're going to go to Matthew, Massachusetts. Matthew. Hi,
5: Tim. This is Kristen, Matthew's mother. Here's Matthew with his question. Sure. Hi. Thank you. Hi sure. Jim, I was just wondering how do you think Baba stock will react to the
3: newfound hype around Timu, and really where you think that Baba will go in the future? Well Maddie's got horse sense, that's quite obvious. Okay, here's the deal with with Alibaba. Uh, right now, the Chinese government is cracking down on actual sellers. They're really make, putting a lot of heat. Yesterday, this weekend, was uh, cracking down on sellers at the opening and close. I mean, they're doing everything they can to make it so that the selling dries up. Unfortunately, the businesses really determine the stock price. But Alibaba is one of the few that I think is going to do well. So, young man, I think you're doing fine. Uh, and thank you for calling in on the show. Let's go to Trevor in Kentucky. Trevor.
2: Hey Jim, quick shout out to the University of Kentucky student fund. Uh, my question is, with the upcoming healthcare spinoff, what are your thoughts on 3M? All
3: right, 3M stuck at ninety one. Yeah, and I, I, University of Kentucky, I've been there. It's absolutely fabulous. Lexington, fantastic place. Too many people go to Louisville. Not enough people go to Lexington. I think you're in good shape with that one uh, after the spinoff, but we've got to see whether they've got all of the lawsuits behind them. I am not recommending stocks that have big lawsuits, and that includes 3M and includes Johnson & Johnson. Phil in Florida. Phil. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call and sharing your knowledge. I try to make the 1020 Investor Club call daily and appreciate your insight. Thank you. There's been some ads about of what we're doing lately. There have been. Internal joke there. But, so what's going on? I bought
5: two food production stocks, something that you see in the grocery stores every day, on a dip, and, and one seems to have risen slightly, but... Um, I was curious, uh, you know, about what you think, you recommend, hold, or sell Tyson and Hormel, TSN and okay. HR. Okay, Tyson,
3: I think is bottomed, and I think one of the reasons is because you need protein. Uh, if you take these new drugs, the Wagovi uh, and the Munjaro, uh, of course, also the Zepbound. Uh, but uh, Hormel's harder. It's processed food and protein, and I got to do more digging because right now I don't think I've seen a bottom in that stock. But thank you for the call and thank you for watching 1020, 1030 when Jeff Marks and I do get out every day. Home Depot's management commentary tells me that this is the right time to stick with the despot. And if the stock comes down, bye, bye, bye. Remember, you can't wait for the actual turn. You got to do a little buy ahead of time. Much more man-button ahead, including my exclusive with, oh, realty income. What's the stock signaling about the health of the overall retail sector? Is that dividend going to grow? Let's get the latest with the CEO. And speaking of retail, I'll reveal the top takeaways from my huge conversation with Walmart CEO, Doug McMillan, plus all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Is it safe to own the real estate investment trusts with big distributions here? Take Realty Income, the REAP, better known as the Monthly Dividend Company, or O, because they've delivered 644 consecutive monthly dividends. Doesn't get much steadier than that, does it? Although Wall Street's been worried about commercial real estate. We'll get that, we'll drill down to that. Realty Income has been really busy of late, expanding into other countries, taking a stake in the Bellagio, acquiring Spirit really. But they also are consistent. Last night, the company reported basically an inline quarter, allowing the stock to rally a bit today. Keep in mind, the best reason to own this stock is what I always tell you, which is a 5.8% dividend yield, which, remember, paid monthly. But could there be some uh, war to it then? Maybe some capital gains? Let's check in with Sumit Roy. He's the president and CEO of Realty Income. You get a better read on the court. Mr. Roy, welcome back to Man
2: Money. Thank you, Jim.
3: Okay, so let's uh, get it straight. When I read through your quarter, it seems like that you're guiding me ever so subtly. You're thinking there could be more appreciation than just from the distribution, correct?
2: That's that's correct, Jim. Um, I think we have set up 2024 uh, to take into account the volatility that we are seeing in the market. Um, But with the spirit acquisition, our reliance on the capital markets is going to be very minimal uh, delivering a north of 10% total operating return to our shareholders.
3: Wow, that would be terrific to me. That'd be just great. Now, one thing that I want to get off right at the top, there are people who say, Jim, why do you bring on these commercial real estate people? We've got people like Barry like the well-known gentleman, came on the Squawk Box and talked about trillion dollars in losses. Not all commercial real estate is the same,
2: correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, I think what's getting conflated is what's happening within office and perhaps some regional mall space uh, that's going through a transformation as well. Uh, Most of real estate is doing just fine, including the asset types that we are invested in, which is retail, industrial, data centers, and gaming.
3: All right, so how can we be sure in an era where I'll sit down with the CEO of Walgreens or the CEO of CVS, and they're telling me that they have to close stores, how can we be sure that those very solvent companies uh, aren't going to have to close properties that you own?
2: Um, You know, first and foremost, we are uh, in very long-term leases with both those names, Walgreens and CVSs. And the fact that they are going through a real estate uh, rationalization that is good for the business. It's good for the competitive business uh, longer term. And, and these are companies that have continued to manifest themselves in different ways. Um, they are no longer the, the pharmacy only that we think of when we think of Walgreens and CVS. They're starting to provide uh, uh, healthcare services out of these locations. And so it's almost uh, expected that you know the closing of some of these stores will be part and parcel of how they're going to uh, incorporate these new strategies into uh, their brick and mortar stores. Well,
3: could you conceivably with it ninety eight percent occupancy have some tenants that might want to uh, be involved if a uh, if a CVS or Walgreens closes stores in good in good areas? I am sure that there are other companies that want to move in.
2: Absolutely, um, you know these are very well located stores, as you know, and. Uh, the alternative tenant list is long uh, to be able to come in and occupy these stores. But I want to make the point that, you know, a lot of these headline numbers around store closes, et cetera, um, will impact but won't impact us as, as much as, you know, these headline numbers would indicate. Uh, but even if they do decide to, to close out a particular store, uh, the alternative list happens to be long.
3: OK, good, because, I mean, I'm showing some things from your... Uh... Your deck, which show a Rite Aid, I get worried about a Rite Aid. I get worried about about what Mr. Wenworth's going to do at Walgreens. But it sounds like that that not to be. You always have to be concerned, but that there are these could end up being opportunities for you, particularly if the leases are written at a, a long time ago, at much lower rates.
2: They are, and um, you know we've been around for for not of fifty four years as a company, uh, twenty nine of which has been as a public company, and so. Some of these relationships that we have are are very old. Uh, right Aid is one that you mentioned. The first sale leaseback that we did with them was uh, in 2001, 2002 timeframe. So um, I think, look, uh, that's the benefit of being a $65 billion company, very diversified. Uh, and, and you know even a right aid situation which is going through a bankruptcy uh, currently will have minimal uh, uh, impact on the overall credit profile of realty income.
3: There was an article in a restaurant business publication that I read uh, that talked about how red lobster uh, is struggling. I know you've got a bunch of red lobsters. Are there restaurants that might want to take that space if they do have to do some trimming of their properties?
2: Yes, because once again, those are well-located stores. Uh, Red Lobster is going through, um, you know, a a transformation. It is still the largest seafood uh, quick service restaurant that there is uh, with over 700 locations. Um, And, you know, trying to find the right mix, the right price point, uh, the right advertising budget. uh, Those are things that they are struggling with right now. And once all of that settles out. Uh, I do think it will be a going concern, uh, maybe not in its current form, but uh, it, it should be just fine. In the event that we do get some of our assets back, uh, given the locations that they have, given the size of these buildings, we do believe that there will be, again, uh, plenty of alternative tenants who would be willing to come in and and step into these locations. And The other thing that we can always do is reposition these to, to something that's outside of a quick service concept as well. So. Uh, We are not worried.
3: And Spirit, you've had a few, a couple quarters almost uh, uh, under your belt. Everything you thought?
2: Everything we thought. uh, We did close on it on January 23rd. We did announce it end of October, uh, Jim, just just like you mentioned. Um, And, um, you know, now that we've had it for about four or five weeks, uh, we are very happy with the portfolio. We do think that there is remains some upside uh, uh, in this in this acquisition, which we hope to talk to uh, in a couple of quarters.
3: Well, to me, it sounds like business as usual. We got through all the points that I care about and sounds like I like it as much as I always have. Monthly income is for me. Sumit Roy is the president and CEO of Realty Income. That is letter. O. thank you, Sumit. Good to see you.
2: Very nice to see you as well. Jim. Thank you for having me. uh, Thank you. Man Money's back at the break.
4: Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky's the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next,
3: it is time to start the lightning round. Confirm for Brock Royalton's South Steinfeld when your play is out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Dax? Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Tom in New Jersey. Tom! Hey, Jimmy. Hi. Tommy from Lafayette, New Jersey. How, you How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. How about you? Oh, great. Listen, Excellent. my yeah. question for you is, with Disney's restoring their management, the old management, uh, I should say,
5: is there room for this stock to run up?
3: Well, I'm going to address that very specifically. I think it's going to kind of blow your mind when we do our... Yes, our annual meeting club convention. But right now, all I can say is we own the stock for the Chapel Trust and stay tuned. Let's go to Michael in Massachusetts. Michael.
4: yeah, Jim. It's an- Booyah, uh, your Michael. Your Mad Money show helped educate everyone at home
3: about stocks. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is, that's the plan. Thank you very much.
2: Hey, Jim, my stock is a Luna l-u-n-r intuitive machines and
5: i gotta say this is a team effort with spacex and nasa and they have a five-year contract with nasa to put america
2: back on the moon since 1962
3: yeah i I have to tell you i don't know the company well enough to opine i will do some work you know what's going to happen ben studdle and i are going to have to huddle but good on this one because I know that Ben knows it cold. Let's go to Dave in Illinois. Dave!
4: Dr. Kramer,
5: happy NVIDIA and Ragu earnings date, my good man.
3: Indeed. Fun. Indeed. And don't forget Tony, Ragu Tony. <laughs> my yeah. wife has a sense of humor, doesn't she? But what's up? What's
5: up, Dave? Jim, in the cloud security space, we would all agree that Palo Alto Networks is got to breed although some would have some doubts based on yesterday's earning report. But not me convinced in part on your beautifully executed CEO interview with Mr. Aurora. Among other players in this space, however, I see these scalers standing out. How do you see it?
3: Dave, as always, you're right. I think Jay Chaudry would tell you, look, because of the particular niche they have in the zero trust. I mean, you got to have that identification trust. They are the best. It is a good one to buy. It is down now from 259 to $213. And I, Dave, once again, brings a level of wisdom and patience to the, to the product, as I call it. And I think he's right. Let's go to Jimmy in New York. Jimmy. Kramer, thanks yeah. for taking my call. I watch your show all the time. Hey, Perfect. I want your take on super microcomputers.
1: Okay, I decided,
3: Super Michael, Jimmy, get this, as my mom would say, Jimmy. Uh, this one is just too hard. I am now willing to say it. I am point blank willing to say that this one is make or break <laughs> now, this one's just too hard for me and, and I, you know we had them all it was like 400 That next thing was at 1000 then I went to 600 I, I was like I used to be an auctioneer I got 700 I have 300 I got 500 in the back I got five, five, five. sold to those who don't know what they're doing for $600 let's go to Jack in Virginia, Jack
5: Hey Jim, I gotta give you a big
3: Wednesday booyah I even thought it was Wednesday, this is the longest day in history what's up
5: I'm a young investor, Jim, but I just wanted to say thank you. You've been helping my family for years. You've been
1: helping me for years now. And I can't thank you enough for working so hard and coming in and doing the show every day.
3: Thank you, man. Thank you. I got to get up really early tomorrow. And I, I, I just can't wait to, like, parcel the NVIDIA notes. Let's go to work. Let's go to work.
5: OK, Jim, I, I got to know, people have been asking me, is your engine revving or stalling for Ford Motor Company? Uh,
3: I don't know. I got to tell you, I was in a, my Maverick the other day, uh, you know, sitting here in the garage, not doing much of anything. But at least, by the way, I did have the uh, garage door open. I'm not like that. Hey, uh, look, Ford is like stall. It's stall. What can I say? It's stall. That's the best word I can come up with It is stall. So what do I think? Well, you know, stall. Let's go to Tom in Virginia. Tom.
5: Thanks, Jim. Appreciate your thoughts on Unity Software Letter U.
3: Oh, I think that Unity Okay, so now this one I know has had problems and problems and problems, but I can't recommend it until it's making money. I'm sorry, even though I like the product. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. Coming up, the lessons from Walmart's recent evolution. Stay modern in a market gone mad. Next.
3: When I was a little boy, my father would take me to see his customers on Saturdays. Pop rep, big mills, that's sold gift wraps, scotch tape, think 3M. Craft paper, ribbons, paper bags, shirts and jewelry boxes, printed bags. You know they kind of had the printed store name on it. National gift and box company, he called himself, but when he wanted to sound bigger, it was International Packaging Products. Well, that was known as the vernacular of a trade jobber. He was a jobber, a wholesaler who could put in orders to mills from a whole host of stores that needed help but were too small to place the orders on their own. Think of them like a kind of mini McKesson or Sancora, drug wholesalers that help smaller pharmacies get the same deals with big drug companies as a Walgreens or CVS or at least something close to them. These independent drug stores are too small to go right to Merck or Pfizer. They go to Middleman. Pop's business catered to men's and women's stores, mostly, but also to the general merchant in town, the one that had mostly clothes and the accoutrements you need to go out to work or go out to dinner. The business was never all that good, frankly. Although it beat selling gabardine trousers and gimbals or toys and board games out of the back of a stage wagon, two of my dad's pre-jobber travails. Still, these customers were loyal, and they liked the pop would bring them as much product as possible, even on Saturdays. Hence, our schlepping around the greater Philadelphia area with all sorts of tape and paper boxes and making spot deliveries to keep retailers going on jam weekends. No one brought a bag to a store in those days. Then one day, 33 years ago, my father's business was destroyed. Or at least he knew it would. Be. You see, Walmart came to town, more specifically to Turnersville, New Jersey, in the heart of one of my dad's best areas. He went to Walmart when it opened that weekend, and he told me that his clients were finished, done, kaput, because Walmart carried everything they did at pretty much the same quality at a much, much lower price, so low that there was no way they could compete. They couldn't compete with someone that was selling goods for lower than the price my dad's customers were paying to their suppliers. It was game over for the dress shop, the men's store, and the little department stores that dotted our nation's landscape in any town with more than a couple thousand people. I thought my father was a fetus, but you know what? He was dead right. After a couple of years of growth, that Walmart disrupted everything. Just try to find a tiny department store, men's store, or ladies' wear place these days. There are a couple, mostly high-end, though. But my dad had boxes upon boxes of receipts from customers that just folded up and disappeared almost overnight. Pretty soon, Walmart practically had the feel to itself, until one day. A new company came along without a physical presence, a company called Amazon. And as it got bigger, it destroyed virtually everyone else who was left, except the biggest, most powerful retailers, like Walmart. But you know what? Walmart itself was really late to e-commerce and didn't seem to know what it was doing. It bought Jet.com back in 2016, learned from it. company hired computer scientists from Stanford, developed an app that wasn't even in the same ballpark as Amazon, and it watched its business slip and slip and slip. Price alone could no longer win. Convenience and price, that was Amazon's ticket. But CEO Doug McMillan, who was on the show yesterday, wasn't one to lie down and take it. He persisted and pivoted, using his stores as warehouses, using computer scientists to figure out what people want. He used COVID to refine it. He got suppliers to advertise on it. Now, yesterday, we saw the payoff from that massive spend on digitization. Walmart has all the inferential brilliance of the best of companies out there, including Amazon. It has the marketing clout to come under Amazon for many items, and it has the biggest grocer in the country, right in its stores, something Amazon struggles with today. The app is real good. There's so much advertising, more than $3 billion worth. Walmart just shelled out $2.3 billion to buy Vizio because it's got so much advertising demand, and it's going to be fantastic for the business. Walmart is once again back on top, going head-to-head with Amazon and winning in many categories. Hey, and get this. It's a place that I and my daughters love to shop at. Hey, look, everyone loves a bargain. But moral. I think if Walmart hadn't woken up to e-commerce and inference the science of knowing what customers want, they could have just been roadkill like all the other smaller businesses that my dad used to rep. Oh, and pop. He pivoted, too, deciding to go after restaurants, sketching their names on a mock bag, replacing the silly unnamed doggy bags they were all using. See, Pop knew that Philadelphians were a cheap lot, were always willing to take leftovers home. In a few short years, he was crushing it, worked until he was 92, never laughed for customers because, as he'd tell you, Walmart will never wreck the restaurant business. Good calls all around. I like to say there's always a Walmart in summer, I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now.
4: from their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at t slash now.